Hey guys, thanks for taking the drive down State Street. In today's episode, we welcome on ER Tech, Sam Palmer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to State Street. Hey guys, this is a co-host, The Voice, Nick Kleitch, and with me as always are my buds. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, uh, how are we here doing this afternoon? We are so good, Nick. It, it has been a long time, long time coming on this episode. We're going to have, uh, we're going to have some good conversation. Just, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be like we're almost sitting in the basement just having a couple beers. Who'd have thought? <laughs> you know, Nick, it's, a. Uh... Instead of going with the usual, it's good, it's good, it's been fantastic. The weather's perfect out, getting lifts in outside, just living life to the fullest in quarantine. Yeah, guys, it's good to be here. It's going to be fun. <laughs> what the? And that is uh, this week's guest, Sam Palmer. Sam is my good friend. We've known each other since third grade. And we got a lot to talk about. So, Sam, why don't you start us off uh, just, you know, introducing yourself to the podcast. Alrighty. Yeah. My name is Sam Palmer. Um, I am a good buddy of Jeremy's. And uh, I was m- mainly asked to be on this podcast to talk about my uh, job right now, since I am uh, working in the ER as a frontline healthcare worker during this uh, pandemic. So, uh, yeah, that's what we got going on. Yeah, Sam. Uh, <laughs> Sam kind of kind of downplayed a little bit uh, as par, <laughs> par as usual. <laughs> Sam, from Sam himself. Uh, Sam is an ECC tech, uh, emergency care center tech. He assists uh, the doctors and nurses with uh, emergency medical procedures such as uh, placing IVs, performing EKGs, transporting patients, um, observing observing vital uh, vital signs, and a bunch of other things. I think uh, I think you've cleaned up after a few people after they went on, went to the bathroom on each other as well. Unfortunately, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just to start us off, me and Sam have uh, Sam have known each other since the third grade. So, Sam, why don't you you know start talking about how our our friendship blossomed from <laughs> third grade to where it is now. Yeah, uh, so me and Jeremy met in Mr. Lars class in third grade. We were just, you know, a couple buds hanging out in elementary school, and we just, uh, we kind of clicked, and literally the rest is history. It's been, I don't even know how many years it's been now. I mean. What, third grade to? Third grade to now. 23, 24, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, a it's been a while, yeah. And the thing is, is that we're completely different, but we just, we just get along. and. That's the main reason, yeah, why we've been friends for so long. When you get when you say Sam that you guys are so different, what exactly does that mean? Um, I mean we're different in nowadays like career choice. He's in like electronics and stuff and software engineering. I'm going into medicine or I've been in medicine. Um, he is definitely more introverted than I am. I like to talk to people, and I I mean my whole job hinges on me making another person feel comfortable which and just talking to them and talking through certain things and you know jeremy doesn't tend to do that very much <laughs> <laughs> this, this podcast is me stepping out of my comfort zone for yes sure. yes well i was gonna say and i think nick would totally agree with me sam does not seem to have the analytical brain that jeremy does sam definitely seems like caretaker he seems like a fun loving guy right off the bat uh, that's one thing we, we really do appreciate about him. And that's one thing that, you know, I think right now our frontline workers definitely do need because it, it is kind of a crazy time with something we've never seen before. And so I think I think Sam's got the right attitude about it. And uh, yeah, I, I, I would like to have my loved one being taken care of by Sam. Right on. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I think um, Sam is definitely more more laid back too, where I'm uh, very intense. As as you guys got to know on the during practice on the pitching mound, and and Sam got to know throughout our years growing up when we would uh, we'd play Xbox together. Oh my gosh! When yes. I would get very frustrated uh, when I would lose to him. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely another difference is that he's super competitive, which can totally be a good thing. Um, but I'm not. Like I lose, <laughs> and it's like oh, whatever. All right, life goes on. <laughs> Moving on to the next thing. 
It's almost like you're the better version of me for Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that in all kindness, but uh, there are some things about me I think he would change. And just, I think you're probably the better version of me for him. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. There you go. Well, why don't we start, you guys? You said you guys, you know, the the friendship really started um, and kicked off in like third grade. So why don't we just start there? What, you know, as far as obviously as you can, as far back as you can remember, what, you know, instantly bonded you guys together? What were some commonalities that allowed you guys to kind of, like I said, blossom a relationship and and get to this point? Yeah. um, Honestly, (laughs) to be honest, we lived in the same neighborhood. That helped. <laughs> Play football together. Yeah. And, um, and then, yeah, we started playing sports together. He was obviously way better at baseball than me, so we never played on the same <laughs> team. So, okay. But, I mean, I used to play baseball, and uh, we kind of bonded over sports and stuff like that. And then just, you know, being kids that were lived down the street from each other, I mean, we were kind of always together. So, yeah. And... um it's just continued to be like that. Even after I moved from that house that I was in down the street, I mean, we still see each other probably, what, two, three times a week? Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you still live in the town of, or city, whatever it is, Jeremy, I, I won't get technical, but of Delano? Yes. Okay. Yes, I do. Yep. I live a mile outside of town now. So, like, when, when me and Sam were growing up, Sam had this extreme fascination for extreme sports. And... That's where I kind of kind of picked up on like the skiing, the the snowboarding, all that stuff. But he was he was very good at that, and I was always like, yeah, this is uh this is how Sam feels when I play baseball with him. <laughs> and I had that he, I, I learned that fascination of extreme sports, watching the X Games with him and stuff. Learned that from him, and we we would go out snowboarding, skiing. But I mean, he's always been the better extreme sports person. I I don't like getting injured, so. <laughs> <laughs> As yeah. I as I say, how if I've 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 injured myself a million times by now. So, well, you know, Sam, a lot in this podcast we talk about failing before you succeed, walking before you run, those types of concepts. Mm-hmm. Being in ex- extreme sports early on, actually, in one of our first podcasts that for our listeners did not air, we talked on extreme sports <laughs> a little bit. We attempted to at least, but uh, could you talk a little bit, just really quick, before we, before we move on? to maybe the maybe a funny story or two or, or the experience of extreme sports and the amount of times that you maybe smashed your face or fell on your ass or just yeah. took a tumble down the side of a hill, um, ultimately getting to, I would assume, where you are now, which is a pretty good extreme sporter, snowboarder, <laughs> skier, those sort of things. Yeah, sure. Um, so I started skateboarding when I was five. And um, I've continued to skate my whole life. Uh, I don't really do much of the like trick stuff anymore. I just kind of longboard and stuff like that. But uh, snowboarding is definitely like the passion when it comes to extreme sports. And uh, yeah, there was a few times like when I was when I was learning how to snowboard, it, it kind of came naturally. So there wasn't a long time where I was really fumbling around with just riding. But my fascination lies with the like learning new tricks and learning how to flip and learning how to spin and do all that stuff and like do grinds and do boxes. And so um, I always wear a helmet, which is a good thing, because (laughs) I think I smack my head on a rail every time I went out. Like I would be learning a new slide or a new like something or another. And yeah, I would bust my head on a rail (laughs) every time without fail. So thank God for the helmet. And uh, yeah, and now it's just it's just something fun to do. Um, I still try to learn new tricks here and there, but you know, I am getting a little bit older. Not too old, but you know, it's like, it's, yeah, it's really fun though. So why don't you tell us about your, we were talking off air about how you, you developed another passion when you, when you were young, your choice of medicine. Mm-hmm. You said you, uh, you were about 10 years old when you decided when you, when you wanted to go into medicine. So why don't you, you know, explain a little bit of that? Sure. Yeah. Um, so when I was 10, I don't really know why I remember this so clearly, but it was kind of just a thought that popped into my head of like, because after I was asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I went, doctor. And that stuck the entire time. And now I'm here and things change, you know, but I always knew that I wanted to be in medicine some, in some way, shape or form, because I 
the end of the day, it sounds really simple and cliche, but I do want to help people. I want to make them feel better. I want to make them feel like they're cared for. And um, that's the main reason why I am going into medicine. And um, now, right now I work as a tech, as Jeremy said, an ER technician. And uh, that's just a stepping stone for me. Before this, I worked as a scribe, uh, an emergency scribe. So I would follow, follow the doctors that I worked with into the, each room in the ER, and I would type up everything that was said. I would write the history. I would do all of their past medical history, their um, surgical history, their medications. And then as the visit went on, I would document like the labs and the images that we got. And then to finish it off, I would write their, the doctor's medical decision-making. And I learned a ton from doing that. And that actually helped me get the job I have now because I actually scribed at that ER that I'm working at now. So when, when you were asked, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and you instantly answered doctor and it's like that stuck. For you, I mean, did you as a 10-year-old like know about all that stuff that you were going to get to learn? Or when you were asked that question and you said doctor, what was in your mind? Um, and what really, like, what really cemented that as, as yeah, I want to make this a reality? Yeah, uh, what was in my mind at 10 was I want to help people. I want to give back. And I felt like that was the way I could do that the best. I, it's a long road to go down, that's for sure. And so I wasn't really thinking in that moment about everything that I would need to do. And it's been really hard, but it's been awesome. And I've learned so much. And the patients I've seen have been awesome for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's cool that you bring up that you want to use phrase it as you want to help people, but there are so many ways that could be taken or so many different paths in order to help someone. And so when you say that, was there any form of like, did you desire to like, like heal people or like more or less, like, could you go a little deeper on like what you meant by like, I want to help people? Sure. Uh, yeah, I think you could, you could call it that, like wanting to heal. But, you know, when I, when I see a patient in the ER, it's usually on their worst day. And I want to be that person that's right there with them saying, hey, we're going to help you out of this. You're going to feel better. And I think that's just where I kind of fit in, you know, like I've done it for three years now. And it's been the best job I could have asked for. That's awesome. Yeah, I just get I get fascinated by understanding that like the the why behind it because my sister is a nurse right now or, or trying to pass some of her exams to do so and um, she just had this love for yes being able to care for someone at like an extended level because think about almost shit that that you go through when they're having their worst day right their arms jacked up right. you know they're sick they don't want to see you they don't want to talk to you but yet you know you're stepping up and and being that person so uh, I was just curious on that question. Yeah, so let's uh, let's fast forward a little bit to going to college. You went to you went to college at Bethel. Uh, I believe you got your your undergrad in biology, correct? Yes. And at the time when you were going to Bethel, you decided that you wanted to become a, a phys- physician's assistant. And now, um, in the past, you know, past couple months, you've decided to to take a different route in me- medicine. So, yes. Why don't you want? Why don't you walk us through your choice of physician's assistant, and then kind of ch- tell us why you you changed from physician's assistant to uh, your current choice. And really quick, Sam, if you would, even if there was anything in high school too that maybe you were able to set yourself up to to get into the medical field. Um, aid yourself, you know, in, in becoming a nurse, that ultimate goal of becoming a doctor. Touch on that too, because I think that would be, you know, that's really important too. That's a, that's a foundation as well. Yeah, totally. Um, starting in high school, I, I always liked science, so that helped too. Um, like, I was just naturally good at, like, chemistry and stuff like that, which you need a lot of chemistry to get into medicine, which right. is unfortunate, but, you know... <laughs> Uh, so in high school, it was just taking those classes, those upper level science classes to kind of set myself up to go through these tougher college classes that were science related and stuff like that. Um, and then when I got to Bethel, I was still pre-med. So at that point, I was still dead set on becoming a doctor. And, um, However, the more that you look into it and the more that you let your life kind of play out, or my life in this situation, 
it didn't really seem like it was the best path for me to do what I want to do. And because being a doctor is so much work. It is hard work. (laughs) It's a lot of years of school and money and uh, tests and stuff like that. And uh, I'm sure we'll touch on this soon, but I am getting married in a month. And I thought, you know, I would rather be around for my wife and potential family (laughs) than going to school for the next 10 years and then going to residency and then doing a fellowship and then becoming a doctor when I'm 35. So, (laughs) so I'm curious then when, when you get to Bethel and you're, you're pre-med a lot, how, how many of those classes, especially as like, as coming in, you're a freshman, you're like super bright eyed, bushy tailed. How many of those classes are more or less weeding out classes, seeing who really wants to be a doctor, who really wants to be in the medical field, and then those who say, yeah, I'm really not cut out for this, or this is not at all what I want. Yeah, so the weed out classes, this is pretty much across the board, is organic chemistry. That's the one that's going to just weed out everybody. And the funny thing about that is that you need OCHEM for the MCAT, which is the test you take to get into med school. And that's it. You do not oh, touch wow. OCHEM. Oh my like, gosh. In med school, <laughs> or I've talked to every doctor I've worked with, I said, hey, have you ever used organic chemistry to treat a patient? And they go, what? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous how that, that happens? I mean, same with right, the ACT, it's crazy. just to get into college. And then that's, I mean. Exactly. Yeah. And so OCHEM is definitely a big one. And then, um, other ones that are more related to medicine would be something like anatomy and physiology or um, pathophysiology or endocrinology, stuff like that, uh, which not, a, I mean, most colleges offer like anatomy and physiology, but some may not offer a pathophysiology class or an endocrinology uh, class. Um, but those are definitely harder because they are getting down to the like what's going on in the body. Um, I actually took an endocrinology class at Bethel, and we did surgery on um, mice. <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. So we would actually, like, put them under general anesthesia, and then, like, me, either me or my partner would be the surgeon, and the other one would be the anesthesiologist. And we would monitor, and we would actually perform surgery on the mice, and then, like, take them to post-op. And like, see what would happen if we were to take out certain glands and stuff like that. And then we'd study them. So yeah, that was actually pretty cool. Now in post-op, do they get like a little piece of cheese for being a good, a good mouse and, or like, do they get any little fun, little fun thing as a thank you? Yeah. Oh yeah. We, I mean, they were actually like, we got, they were like little pets, honestly. Like we tried to treat them right, even though we were cutting them open. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I can imagine, like, I can, I can only imagine as someone who's pre-med, they know, they've known since being 10 years old, they want to get into the medical field, what that college experience is like. You know, Nick and I, had, we were in the business school. Jeremy was, was like software programming. So, I mean, watching him work through college, even just the two years that I did, I mean, he, was, he would lock himself in his room for like six hours at night just like working on his computer, I'm sure just like getting mad headaches, straining your eyes. I can't even imagine what what some of the like the crap Jeremy had to go through. You know, Nick and I had a little bit more of a traditional college experience just being in business. And that's not to, that's not to, that's not to slight any business students, but talk about because I know, you know, in the medical world it's a lot of memorization. There's a lot of things you have to remember. And, you know, as you said off air, you are literally learning in your profession. You are learning every single day. So talk about what like a college experience is like as a as someone who, who is wanting to go into the medical profession um, and then touch on, you know, those last two years when you're really you're you're obviously your class size is is dwindling because you're getting into more specifics of what you really want to do. And then obviously you made that transition from wanting to be a doctor into you know, possibly wanting to be a PA and now being, being a tech. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just like Jeremy science majors, we study all the time and to put it simply, it is a grind. (laughs) 
like eight to 12 hours a day. Like you're in the library, you're drinking tons of coffee and, and <laughs> Red Bull just to stay awake. And I mean, I'd put in these ginormous study sessions, which I do not recommend to the listeners. That's really not <laughs> the best way to go about things. But, you know, everybody still does it. And for me, that's just kind of how it worked. So I would just, yeah, I would be in the library or in my room and just going through my notes and trying to memorize and rewrite certain things and stuff like that. Then going on to um, the uh, the choice to become a PA, that happened after I proposed to Lauren mm-hmm. and my fiance. And she, um, or her and I, like our relationship just kind of blossomed. And now we're getting married, and it's pretty cool. And I kind of thought in my head, I was like, yeah, I just, like I said before, I just, I can't see myself being in school for this long. And PA school is still a grind. It's still hard, and it's hard to get into. Um, and, but it's, it's two and a half to three years long. And then you're oh, out wow. of school, and then you're a PA. And then the beauty of being a physician's assistant is you can work in any specialty, and you can switch specialties. So say I was a, I became an MD or a DO, and um, I would have to go through residency in a specific specialty. So if I'm going to work in an ER, I would have to be an emergency medicine doctor. And residency is anywhere from three to seven years, depending on your specialty, after your four years of medical school. Wow. So that's, that's another reason why I chose PA. And then recently... As I've worked as a tech, and I've gotten really close with the nursing staff at the ER, and I've been right in the thick of it with my patients and stuff like that, I realized that I think I found my calling in nursing, because I want to be, I want to be that person that's giving you the medicine. I want to be the one you're asking questions to, and I want to be, like, just fully present with my patients and as a doctor it seems like that's not tech like it's not the same you know like you're doing the diagnosing and you're prescribing the meds and stuff but you at the end of the day I've said this multiple times to other people the people remember the nurses like if they come into the ER they say my nurse was awesome and I mean the doctors they do they're obviously needed and they do a great job too but I just felt like I fit so much better in a nursing role. And there's also so many different avenues to go down as a nurse. Like if I, I'm totally cool being an RN, like a a nurse for a while and working in the ER, or I may try to go to uh, the burn unit uh, or trauma ICU because I'm all about the blood and guts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I feel like I, kind of thrive in that environment and um but if i do that for a while and i want to do something else like go back to school i could become a nurse practitioner which is like a pa or i be i could become a crna which is a certified registered nurse anesthetist and i could be doing anesthesia so there's just so many different ways to go and also to get my rn after i already have my um my bachelor's I can, I can go back and get my RNBSN in a year and three months. Okay. And then I'll be a nurse. Hell yeah. Well, I know we're, I know we're going <laughs> to, I know we're going to touch on this uh, a little bit later, but I'm, I'm curious when you, when you met your, your now or, or going to be wife, um, just walk us through that, that very first meeting, because you have all this stress on you and, and you're a college kid. And your the the window of focus of, of finding this woman may not be at the the highest priority of the list, but I'm just kind of curious from first glance or first uh, first sight um, how that how that was and and how it came to be. Sure. Um, so I actually met Lauren through a mutual friend, um, and he and her started talking, and it's kind of funny because uh, he was kind of going for her first. <laughs> and then I got introduced <laughs> and uh me and Lauren like we went to Perkins at 2 a.m because you know that's what college kids do <laughs> right not, not if you're in well unless if there's a Perkins around that's what we did at least you know like to go <laughs> study and so me my buddy Christian who introduced me to her and Lauren 
we went to Perkins, and that's the first time that I actually met her and had a conversation with her. And then from there, it was kind of like I got her number through Christian. Me and Lauren started talking more than her and Christian did. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mr. Steal Your Girl. Honestly. <laughs> and, now you get married. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it kind of went on from there. And we just realized that we are very similar because she is, uh, she actually just graduated as a nurse on Saturday. So that's pretty awesome. cool. And we, yeah, it's just really cool to be able to talk about medicine. Um, like on the same level, you know, cause like you should hear our dinner conversations. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Something that you would never talk about over food. We do because we just see it every day. <laughs> so. oh. Something we, we may never understand yeah. if we're out to dinner with you. <laughs> right. Right. Nick, yeah. while you and I are, while you and I are talking cold calls, Lauren and, and Sam are, are more or less talking blood and guts and comparing ER stories. I'm sure. <laughs> Pretty much. That's the humor of the industry, man. It is, yeah. And you got to keep it light because you do see a lot of um, pretty crazy stuff day in and day out. Without a doubt. And it sounds like maybe towards we, when we get towards the end of this episode, you'll have, a, you'll have a couple ER stories for us that you can share that hopefully won't, won't make our listeners blow chunks uh, too bad, at least, right? <laughs> I could. I could make your listeners blow chunks, but I won't. <laughs> so... In one of our previous episodes, episode three, L-O-V-E, love, we, we touched on the statistic that males usually get married at 28, females usually get married at 26. What, what, um, what made it click with Lauren that made you decide that you wanted to get married at 22? Yeah, um, I think that, uh, well, to start this off, it's, I, I did not see myself as someone who was going to get married at the age I'm getting married. Uh, but with her, it's literally the cliche, if you know, you know. I just knew with her, I was like, yeah, this, yeah. I, I don't see myself dating anyone else. I don't see myself waking up to anybody else. I, there's so many things that I could say. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and then it's just kind of the thought popped into my head, and I'm like, yeah, this is, this is it. And I mean, I also think that, I mean, I am a person of faith, and um, I, I think that God could have, I, I do think he had a role in it too, leading us together, because we do fit together really well. And um, yeah, so that's, that's why I'm getting married at 22. <laughs> <laughs> so, so why don't you tell our listeners where, uh, where you proposed at? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, so my family... We love to travel, and I uh, and when Lauren came into our family as my girlfriend, my mom was like, "All right, you're coming with us on our like vacations and stuff." Yeah, instead of Jeremy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great but, uh, choice. So we went to right, yeah, and so we went to Hawaii for her first trip with us, and um, yeah, we went to the Big Island, and we've been back there probably four times since then. And, um, but in the middle of the trip, I, I had the ring and everything and she was with us and we went down to the beach just to take a walk and she was looking out at the ocean and I would got down on one knee and she turned around and I was right there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's and, go. Yeah, and she said, yes. So we're all good. <laughs> yeah. You know, was it, was it the Hawaii that made her say yes or was it, was it you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I, both maybe. <laughs> well, so I was just, I was, I was curious, you know, um, you, you talk about, you know, you're a man of faith and obviously I have a, I, I have, I have a little knowledge of, of Bethel was, was the fact that it's a, it's, it is such a good medical school and the fact that you are a man of faith. I know Bethel is, I believe a, a Christian school, correct? Yep. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Was that, was that a driving force? And if so, um, I, I would love to hear a little bit more. I want to know where Lauren is from. We have not, you have not told us that yet because I think sure. that could lead to a really cool story of, of, yeah, like you said, God bringing you guys together, especially now that you are working in the same industry. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Bethel is a Christian school and that was definitely, that was a driving force for me, um, going into college because I, 
I tend to stray from the straight and narrow if I'm allowed to. As and we Bethel all do. kinda gave me yeah, and Bethel kinda gave me those those quote unquote blinders to like, all right, you can have your fun here and there, but you're here for school. You know? And um so that was good. And then also the faith aspect of I took a lot of theology classes that I really enjoyed and I learned a lot about religion and I learned a lot about my own faith and um a lot of that stuff. And then um Lauren, she's from Saint Francis, Minnesota. It's kind of north. What what hour forty five forty five minutes to an hour away from us? From here? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um so and she uh decided on Bethel because she she fell in love with it and she's also a woman of faith and liked the Christian aspect of the school. And yeah. And that's how we got brought together. Is uh is that required or is that just something that you chose to to learn more about? Uh so there's three required classes that you have to take. So there's uh intro to Bible, there's Christian theology, and then there's a class of your choice that's like uh we call them tags, it's your J tag. And you um that like kind of goes into a specific part of the Bible or something like that. And so you had to take those three, but then if you needed another elective that had to do with religion, then you could totally do that, which I did a few of those, which was really cool. I think it's cool that you study that along with your your science and your med because it's it's just enough of a working force to kind of get your mind off of that but it's also something you enjoy right and it's stuff that i like it's hard to struggle with um science and religion i took a lot of classes on that because that's a huge debate um yeah and uh it's been interesting and i feel like i definitely have taken some of the stuff i've learned in theology and just put it into my own life and how i treat my patients and if they're religious too, like I've prayed with patients before That's if awesome. they need it, or I've prayed for loved ones before if they need it too. I've been in sort of debriefing situations after a really tough uh, like visit with a patient. Um, and so the staff and the chaplain will get together and we'll kind of just talk through what just happened to kind of unpack certain things that you just saw because you can see a lot of different stuff. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, yeah, it sounds like it sounds like you, you know, especially in in this field of work, you use, you know, your faith, you lean on it pretty heavily, especially when you're seeing tough things, maybe having to have tough conversations with with a family member, even not just the patient. I'm sure those can be just as, as hard. Um, so now, you know, you, you, you met Lauren in school and, and you're getting you got through school. It sounds like you're still going to school a little bit, going to wrap it up. Um, touch on that just really briefly. Um, so right now I just, I, I graduated with my bachelor, of arts in biology in December. And now I'm just doing a couple more prereqs for nursing school, which I'm going to start in summer of 2021. Okay. So I got a year off to kind of get settled with Lauren, um, getting married and doing all that stuff. And yeah, and then I'll go back to school for a year and three months, and then hopefully uh, I'll be able to either start as a nurse at the ER I'm at or move on to a different area of medicine, which will be really cool. As far as, you know, like the, the daily operations of being a, being a medical student, working in the medical industry, do you guys, since, since you and Lauren work together, you guys know the industry, at least you're, you're learning the industry, do you guys know when it's it's been a tough day maybe for for you or she's had a rough day like does it does there anything that have to be has to be said or is it just kind of one of those things that like you innately know or you can see on her face she can see on your face yeah i would say that it's you can kind of tell like if one of us gets home from a shift and we're just dragging it's like all right we're gonna kind of just lay off tonight and we're just gonna kind of hang out and do nothing crazy because yeah um but a lot of times we're texting throughout our shifts and I'll be like, guess what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> or she'll be like, this is crazy. Like, this is, I, like, yeah. So, you know, I mean, a lot of times we do know what's going on with each other. Um, and it's also nice to have that person to talk to, like, immediately if you do see right. something. And obviously following, like, HIPAA laws and stuff like that, we're not giving out information we're just talking about the situation that we just went through 
Um, but yeah, it's definitely, you can tell when you've had a tough shift. <laughs> I'm, yeah, dude, I'm sure. I, and, I, and I'm sure that it's, it, it's really nice for you. Um, and I, I think, I'm sure this plays into why you have such a great attitude about it. And, and I'm sure you do a great job is having that background of faith, but also having someone that you can essentially just, you know, you, you can use as a sponge and she can use as a sponge for you to, to soak that up, maybe talk you through some things. I'm sure that is incredibly, incredibly powerful on, especially like the toughest of days. Yes. I totally agree with that. Yes. And yeah, I haven't really thought about that in that way of like intertwining a lot of that together, but that's definitely the reason why I've been able to keep such a good attitude. Cause she is like, she's my rock. Like I can tell her anything. She'll help me through it. And yeah. And then also God and my parents and my friends and everyone who's just around me. It's just, yeah. Yeah. You can add another one to the list. <laughs> you can add state street to that list, man. That's awesome. That's super cool. Um, so obviously, you know, being being a medical medical professional, we wanted to have you on to talk a little bit about what's going on in the world, and and obviously, as much as you can, like you said, you know, HIPAA laws do prevent certain things, but you know, we wanna we wanna see things from your eyes and and get a better understanding because you know, COVID nineteen is something that like our nation as a whole, our world really has never seen before, and and at least the way I see it is is something we're learning on the fly with. Um, so, so talk a little bit about kind of the early onset of, of some things that, that you had to deal with, uh, maybe, maybe rushes or just may, maybe just a lack of preparation because we haven't ever seen anything like this. Touch on those, just a few things. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so when this all started, it was, um, we were very short on PPE, the personal protective equipment, like that was a big thing that needed to be um, made and given to hospitals uh, because they were predicting this surge. Um, however, and this is just my perspective from my ER in a suburban ER in Maple Grove, Minnesota. When this all started, the ER was dead. Wow. There was, I mean, we had, there was probably two, three weeks, four weeks where we had, our census was extremely low. There wasn't that many people coming in because they were afraid to be there, which rightly so. I mean, unless you need to be there, you shouldn't come. And there was no elective surgeries, right? Also true. Elective surgery was stopped. All clinic visits, unless need be, were stopped. So the hospital was, like, we still had patients in there, but there wasn't a lot going on other than the ER and the patients that we would admit through the ER. Yeah, and then when the, when the first uh, few COVID patients hit Maple Grove, we were, I mean, they've picked up a little bit, but we're still not seeing, we're in Maple Grove, we're not seeing what like the Metro has been seeing. Right. Um, in Minneapolis. Because uh, right now, ICU beds are, or just beds in general, are getting a little tight. So we're having, so North Memorial, which Maple Grove is a part of North Memorial, the healthcare system. And North Memorial in Robbinsdale is this huge hospital. And they are actually sending some ICU patients back to us to take care of because they're getting pretty full over there. Um, so, but the other thing to think about is that this usually happens at the beginning of summer. Uh, beds do get full for some reason. People start hurting themselves and stuff like that. So it's not, uh, it's not all due to COVID, but there's definitely a few. And the older generation they that's the ones you should worry about that's that's my two cents there gotcha um when uh when we go through a calendar year i obviously know covid was was very serious so i don't want to downplay that but how how much more of a workload and or uh, patients coming in did you personally experience outside of maybe the norm or what you would have received like in if COVID didn't hit, I guess. If COVID didn't hit, yeah, uh, it would just be. Let's see, let's see. When did it? When did it really get? It got bad, or it started like March. In, probably mid March is when Minnesota started taking it okay. serious. So that's kind of getting towards the end of flu season, and okay. flu season at the ER is nuts. Like, really, I worked a four-hour shift on Christmas Day, and we had. That day, we had like over 250 people come through our ER, and we are a small <laughs> ER. 
Tiny. Oh my gosh. We're a 20 bed ER and we only use 18 of those beds because two of them are stabilization rooms and it was just nuts. So yeah, but then once COVID hit, people were like, well, I don't want to go to the ER because I don't want to get COVID. And so we saw the people who like, well, the f- interesting thing is that I've seen a lot of cooking injuries lately because people huh. are trying to cook now because they're just at home. I've seen a lot of <laughs> DIY project injuries. Oh. I've seen people take their fingers off. I had lots of lacerations and broken bones and stuff like that. So honestly, I'm seeing more injuries than I am sort of like sickness type of stuff right now. Uh, but we still have our fair share of those COVID patients that are coming in now. And now at the beginning of summer, things are starting to ramp up again. Um, so yeah, it's been pretty busy the last few times I've been there. Yeah. I would say 250 people in a given shift or a given day is pretty ridiculous. And so I would say, or ask almost where, where does the, where does the calmness come from? Cause like you have to keep your composure, obviously like you can, you cannot be flustered in a situation like that because you're a vital need. Like a a not direct example is like, if you ever worked in the restaurant industry and you're a waiter or waitress, when there's busyness in the restaurant, like you can't get overwhelmed. That's not possible. Like you can't, it can't happen. Like you have to keep your composure. So like, have you Mm -hmm. developed any of those skills or like how, have you always been a calm person? Um, I definitely say like Jeremy said earlier, I've been laid back pretty much my whole life, which definitely helps. Uh, it takes a pretty good amount for me to get flustered, but there's been times working in this job that it's been, there's been a lot and I've had to step out. Um, there's also been times where I've almost passed out because of something that's happening. And like, I, I can deal (laughs) with the stuff I see, but like everybody goes through that in medicine. Like the first time I was in an OR, I almost fainted the first time or like for some random reason, the third time I saw a lumbar puncture, which is putting a needle into the small of your back and getting cerebral spinal fluid out of your spine, I almost fainted. Don't know why. I've seen that before, but, you know, it just kind of comes in different waves and stuff like that. But um, to wrap that up, I think it's – if you do get flustered, for me, I just kind of step out. I regroup. I go back in, smile on my face, and then if I need to talk to somebody about what happened, I'll usually talk to another staff member or Lauren or my friends or somebody. Gotcha. You're definitely not coming in hungover, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, uh, yeah. That's one thing I have not done. Um, yeah. That's... I don't think you legally could, even if you wanted to, really. Right. I don't think I could do that. I mean... Yeah, I don't know if that's legal or not. Like, like we show up to like work and we can be a little hungover sometimes. I don't think, uh, don't think the the doctors of America would allow Sam to show up, a little drunk, a little hungover, <laughs> dude, to put an IV in. I think that would, uh, right, that may terminate, uh, in a, in, a, in employment. Yeah, and then the craziest thing is like when, what I've done for IVs is like I'll drink too much caffeine and I'll just be, I'll be shaking so bad, and I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, here we go. <laughs> Sam, you talk. You mentioned fainting, fainting just briefly. Is that something you kind of almost have to will yourself? Like, I am not gonna faint right here, no matter what walks in the door. Yep, pretty much. I literally, it's like in my. It's a battle because if you smell something or you see something and you're getting woozy, I just I put my hand on the wall and I just try to be as calm as possible and just look at the ceiling, <laughs> and then I'll come back down and look what I'm doing, and <laughs> we'll be good. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back so getting back to like covid and and what's going on in the day what now as compared to like before all this does like a normal work day kind of look like for you just as far as getting there getting prepared for the day maybe doing whatever like cleaning or desanitizing or or mm-hmm. you know deep cleaning that you need to do to, to get the day rolling and then maybe even to end the day just getting like I usually try to get into the mindset before I get to the ER and so I mean like I'm thinking about like all right if I see something today that's gonna happen there we're gonna leave it all there when we go but I'm gonna be there and present the whole time whole 12 or 8 hours that I'm there and um so I like to listen to metal (laughs) (laughs) 
Yep. Okay. And so that gets me. Yeah, that, that's my thing. So I get I get all amped up and ready to go. And uh, yeah, and then I walk in and uh, I check the board, which is our track board, to see how many uh, patients we have or what's going on. And I sign in and um, uh, I look through what's going on, look at my assignment of where I'm going to be, because we split the ER into A side and B side. And then there's a float tech and a stab tech, or they're the same thing. So if a stab comes in, that's someone who like needs immediate attention. Then that tech would take care of that patient uh if there's no stab going on then they're just floating and helping out where they can and so i check my assignment see where i'm at um right now our a side is the covid side so all covid patients go there and then b side is for everything else that we see um yeah and uh as the day goes on the beauty of the er is you have no idea what's going to happen and that's what i love about it <laughs> so you know, I mean, on a given day, I can see tons of broken arms, or I can see tons of chest pain and abdominal pain, or stuff like that. And each each thing has different um, things that you need to do to treat that patient. Uh, so I can't give you like a here's what happens every day I go in, but <laughs> I do uh, talking about like uh, sanitizing and stuff. We clean our rooms like deep clean our rooms after every patient. So there's usually two or three of us in there with these like oxyside rags that are like full on bleach and they smell <laughs> awful and we're bleaching everything like everything's getting clean. So, yeah. So before the episode, we were we were kind of talking about your one of your most previous work days and how you how you've seen like an influx of you know injuries like you touched on. Why don't you just walk us through your, your most previous work day and okay. what that what that looked like? How many um, COVID patients you saw? How many, you know, just people slicing their hands, running their bike into a car? Yeah. <laughs> Everything did, like that. I, funny you say that. I did see that, actually, yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so yesterday I worked from 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. And, um, yeah, that shift is not fun, let me tell you. <laughs> Kudos to you, man, first of all. Kudos to you. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. But yeah, so I got there at three and it was busy. Like there is, we were 15 deep in the waiting room. The whole ER was full and um, we, it was a lot of different stuff. I mean, you see your regular chest pain, abdominal pain. Um, and we had a few COVID patients on the board. Um, but as the day went on, I kind of noticed that we were seeing more of the more regular ER things that we see, like broken bones or abdominal pain or chest pain like i've said multiple times now or cardiac rhythm problems and then at one point we had 30 people on the board and there was one covid patient there wow so that's kind of what's been different these days is it kind of fluctuates on a day-to-day basis um whether or not we see a bunch of covid patients and also if any patient has any symptom of covid we test them so technically everyone that comes in could be a covid rule out because uh, we may or may not test them. Uh, anyways, no, we've really appreciated your time so far, and I love getting in depth on this stuff. But uh, I wanted to bring up specifically the COVID nineteen and and how that's related into your marriage a little bit. It's been pretty stressful just trying to plan a wedding in general, um, but trying to do it without knowing if we can actually have it has been interesting. However, uh, the governor of Minnesota uh, a couple days ago, I think now he announced that we can have. capacity at weddings at the venue. So that, and our venue was pretty ginormous. So we we did, it's like 550 some people. So we can have like about 150. So, and that's exactly where I wanted it in the first place. So we're, uh, yeah. So invitations won't, unfortunately won't be able to go out to everybody that we wanted to be there. It's going to be close friends, wedding party, family. Um, so it'll be a little bit smaller ceremony, uh, which will be cool. So, and it's just really nice. And it was a weight off our shoulders to know that we can actually have it now. But yeah, the past few months have been very stressful <laughs> trying to figure <laughs> out what we were going to do. And the backup plan was to actually just have our wedding in our backyard. So yeah, that was, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good we backup plan. Yeah, yeah. And our wedding planner was like, all right, well, uh, if we still don't know two weeks before the wedding, we're going to plan a backyard wedding in two weeks. So, yeah. But thankfully, we don't have to do that right now. 
Yeah, Sam uh Sam and his family have actually been uh sort of a local celebrity now. They were featured on the uh the statewide uh the news channel Care 11 about their wedding and they kind of Sam's mom went on and talked about the stresses of planning a wedding in COVID-19. So if you would like to check that out, we will provide a link in the the bio of the the episode. So Sam, I'm really curious before we switch gears here to uh to those ER stories that we've been talking about um, at length. But I, I'm just curious, as far as you know, what is one thing that Lauren is really looking forward to as far as the wedding? And then what is one thing that you are really, really looking forward to uh, come wedding time? Honestly, she's just looking forward to uh, actually being married. I think she's more looking forward to like married life than the wedding because she's kind of introverted and she doesn't really want to like get up and talk and stuff like that but she's very excited about it um and i think both of us are most excited for the first look thing that people do um so the first time i see her in her dress and the first time she sees me on that day i think that's gonna be really really cool and probably pretty emotional so i was just gonna ask are, are you a crier Oh my God! Yes, <laughs> yes, yep. Weddings, weddings get the get the waterworks going for sure for me. <laughs> so I know we've touched on a couple of ER stories here, but I want to I want to edge more or get more to the side of the the more wild and crazy. Um, I'm not sure what necessarily that means to you, but just maybe a couple stories that stood out to you uh, that you were like, oh my goodness. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I was actually going to ask you guys, throw a little curveball here. What do you want to know, like patient-wise? I could do a trauma. I could do um, some sort of mental health thing that I've seen, uh, a crazy disease that I've ran into. I definitely think, I mean, the the trauma stuff is a little bit more gross and kind of crazy. So if you want me to go that route, I totally could. I think we should go trauma. <laughs> I want to know, and maybe this maybe this will fall under the category of trauma. But I want to know what came in the door that you finally realized or you had like that realization moment of, holy crap, I'm here and that is disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, it doesn't fall under trauma. It's uh, diabetic ulcers. It's please elaborate. Oh, my God. Oh my goodness. Uh, so people with diabetes, a lot of times get ulcers on their feet and holy smokes. If you let those go, that is the worst smell you will ever smell in your life. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, oh God, it's nuts. Cause there's been times where I've had to go in and clean it out and stuff like that. And then like bandage it up and wow. I put uh, essential oils in my mask just to try to like mask the smell and h- half the time it just cuts right through that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's probably the, one of the grossest things I've seen um, because honestly, like blood and guts, they don't really gross me out and I've seen a lot of that. Um, but uh, in regards to trauma, since I worked at North as a scribe, that's a pretty rough part of town. So we saw a lot of gunshots and a lot of stabbings and um, car crashes or car versus pedestrian of just people getting ran over and stuff like that. Um, so one of the worst things I saw, though, was a gang shooting. Uh, and it was my third day of wow. training as a scribe. And, <laughs> yeah, and so this uh, one patient uh, was shot in the leg. And he he was doing okay, but it was still a gunshot wound, like so that's pretty serious. He got shot in like the calf, and yeah, yeah, it didn't look very fun. He was in a lot of pain and but he was in a rival gang, and another gang member came into a different room who got shot in the head, and obviously, if you get shot in the head, you're not doing too hot um and this patient <laughs> was uh. Yeah, you could see brain matter, and you could see um, he was on the he was on his deathbed, unfortunately, and I did unfortunately see him pass in front of me. So, yeah, that was a that was a realization to be like, whoa, okay, this is what we're getting into here at this hospital. Okay, 
the gang member came into the hospital or he was just shot like moments after that other guy was shot? Uh, so it was like rival gang shooting. Sorry, I didn't really specify. Uh, rival gangs shooting at each other. One gang member got shot in the calf. The other got shot in the head, got picked up by paramedics, and both got brought. But we had to separate them in different areas of the ER because the gangs started coming outside. And they were getting um, feisty with each other. And so that night, I actually had to get escorted to my car by security because someone brought a gun into triage, and I, yeah, it was, it was pretty wow. intense. So um, when, you see, <laughs> when you see things like that, do they have, like, a special, like, lockdown procedure you guys have to follow, or is it kind of a free-for-all at that point? Um... What do you mean? Like, the like, does the hospital have to go into some sort of, like, protective lockdown? Oh, yes. Yes. So if we find someone has a gun in the waiting room, then we call it cold silver, which means gun in the waiting room. And then we have to lock down the, the waiting room and the ER. No one leaves their rooms. We get everyone um, kind of out of the waiting room, and security has to take care of the patient or the person that's in the waiting room with, with the weapon. <laughs> Well, I'm really curious too. It sounds like you had a pretty good, you have a pretty good hold on like what happened, the situation itself. Is that something that the police will come to you guys and, and ask about or ask for details on? Do you have to provide information there? Um, is that a part of the job? Uh, not. I mean, sometimes depending on if 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 police bring the patient to us and they need some sort of medical result then we'll talk with them about that. But we get most of our report from what happened on the street from paramedics. And the only reason I'm good at remembering that is because I was a scribe and I had to write it all down. And I had to be like, oh, what did, what did you say? Say that one more time. What happened? Did this happen? Blah, blah, blah. So I could get the best note I could possibly do for the doctor. Um, yeah, but talking with police, like, I mean, the really only thing we do that for is if they arrest somebody and then they bring them in because they're having some sort of medical episode or they need like a legal blood draw. Gotcha. Well, I, uh, I don't mean to go too emotional here, but I am curious. What was, was there any events that you saw that, that struck a chord on, on that note for you, like a very emotional event that you've either seen or participated in? Yes. Um, there's, it's always hard. Like, it's the hardest thing working in this is when you see kids that are really Mm. sick or if you see a kid die. That's never fun. I had a feeling Um, he was going to say that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's kids for me. And especially even, like, I mean, I haven't necessarily seen, I have not seen a kid pass in front of me, thankfully. I'm sure that will happen sometime down the road. Um, But I've seen a lot of bad things happen to kids. And it really sucks. And it's hard to keep your composure when something like that happens. Um, Especially even like watching, I had a patient who I was taking care of. This baby was two months old. And they were breathing too fast because they had uh, RSV, which is respiratory syncytial virus. And it'll make you breathe super fast. And he, or this patient was going at like 70, 80 breaths a minute which is way too fast your normal uh, for us a normal respiratory rate is between 12 to 20 respirations a minute and he was going so fast and their little lungs and muscles can't hold on that long and i watched him breathe 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 stop and i was like "Uh oh this is bad and so i ran and got the doctor and we started treating the kid and um he ended up getting intubated which a tube down the throat and that's hard to watch especially when it's a kid that's a foot long you know like they're tiny it's hard to watch anyone get intubated but it has to be done sometimes i can i can only imagine um and yeah i i had a feeling when nick asked that that it was going to be kids that was going to strike a chord that we you know my family we have a, a couple friends who are medical professionals um, they say the exact same thing, man. It's a, it seems like yeah. it's across the board. That's, that's the, that really is what tugs at the heartstrings. Um, on my end, we're, I think we are going to wrap it up kind of like Nick said, just because we, we're, we're getting a time here. Um, I do have a couple just to, <laughs> to hopefully change mood a little bit, lighten the mood. 
Uh, I, got couple, <laughs> I got a couple questions for you. That's one thing we'll, we'll kind of do to end out the show. Um, but first off, dude, on my end, I want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your, your night, um, taking time from being with your fiance, you know, tonight to be here, to be with us and, and talk to, to people who listen to this show. Um, but also thank you so much for the, the work that you do, man. Um, I can't imagine like the hours and the energy that you guys are putting in. Um, even, even at a, a, you know, you say it's a, it's a tiny little ER. Um, it still requires the same amount of work, man. So thank you so much for, for what you're doing. Um, but yeah, so I, I got, I got a couple questions for you. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Okay. So a preface question being a Minnesotan, do you know what hot dish is? Ooh, hot dish. Yes, I do. Hot dish, jambalaya, all that good stuff. Okay. So. If you had to choose, and I looked these up, so maybe maybe I am just categorizing Minnesotans, and I'm sorry if, if there's any <laughs> other Minnesotans that, that listen to this and, and call me out on this. Hot dish or a Juicy Lucy? Which are you choosing? A juicy Lucy. Oh, yeah. A Juicy Lucy. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think any Minnesotan would say that. Yeah. The thing and is, is, the is problem that? here is that I don't like hot dish. <laughs> 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 and I'm going to get a lot of hate for that, but I don't like it. <laughs> So with hot dish then, okay, so Juicy Lucy, number, number one, it sounds like. How is yeah. hot dish different from a casserole? That's what I'm curious on. I have no idea. Do you know? Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. I, think, I, think, I, th- I thought it was like the same thing, wasn't it? Or is I, it something, something I heard was like hot dishes have meat, casseroles don't, but I'm not quite sure on that because oh, I've, I've heard of meat casseroles and non-meat hot dishes so i have no idea well you know the normal is like a green bean casserole and then you got your tater tot hot dish and your pizza hot dish well of course and yeah. your hamburger hot dish of course. <laughs> <laughs> you guys stop it right there <laughs> <laughs> next question we got um what so sam of the surrounding states that that surround uh the Great, and I say that with air quotes. State of Minnesota, not <laughs> oh. including not including Canada. What what is the worst state? And we can even include Nebraska if you so choose. What is the worst state in uh, that or that surrounds the state of Minnesota? Oh, jeez, I know what you're gonna say. No, I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> it's uh, uh... oh, jeez. It's Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And why? Yeah, would have went for Iowa, that? but you guys are from Iowa. <laughs> well, hey, man, if it's Iowa. So it's funny because when I, was, when I was researching this stuff, there was an article that specifically said Minnesotans and Iowans like simply do not get along. And I just thought that was so interesting because Nick and I, being from Iowa, used to shit on Jeremy nonstop. Oh yeah. About how superior oh, yeah. the state of Iowa <laughs> is to to Minnesota. Yeah. And so it's it, it's good to it's good to it's good to know there's a little rivalry there. That's that's always fun. That's always fun. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I just said Wisconsin because I mean it's I'm not I'm I don't like the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> Last question I got for you, man. Um after a long hard day, maybe in the ER, uh maybe seeing a few things that unsettle the stomach. Um, you know, what's, what's one thing that you may, you may come home, um, turn on the, turn on the podcast app. What's one thing you may listen to you and Lauren listen to maybe turn on the podcast app when you guys get home from a day's work. Okay. Podcasts. Um, I, I listen to stuff that's pretty lighthearted usually. Um, so I don't know if you guys have heard of tiny meat gang. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They, uh, it's Cody Co and Noel Miller, and they are like pretty much internet comedians, and so it's just fun to talk, like listen to like lighthearted stuff when I get off of work or stuff like that. And then I also listen to another podcast by a uh, a drummer from the band Stray from the Path, which is a metal band, and it's called The Downbeat, and he actually interviews other musicians from other. Uh, bands into like metal hardcore scene and stuff like that so i like to listen and learn about that too um and i used to listen to medical stuff uh but after after an er shift i'm not doing that (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, man, that's all. That's all I got for you. Again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for for all the hard work. Uh, obviously, Jeremy, if you got anything, uh, you know, he Sam is your guest, so uh, so you can lead us out, and then Nick will uh, Nick will wrap us out and and get us off State Street. Yeah, man, it's it's been a it's been a blast having Sam here. It's he definitely brings that that different perspective none of us can really bring. Being in the uh, the medical field where. We don't treat people every day. We we go out. You guys go try to get sales. I go out and I try to tell people about baseball stats. So having someone that like works in the the real field that like we see every day, especially with this coronavirus, is is definitely something that we definitely wanted to have on the podcast. And, and Sam was probably one of the best guests we could get, knowing that we we have known each other so long and that he's wanted to go into so many different types of medical um, medical fields through trauma and, you know, deciding doctor, PA, nurse, and just, you know, telling us all about his stories. It's It's been pretty awesome to have him. There is no doubt about that. And I also am going to take my turn and just say thank you. Um, I'm going to try to mix it up a little bit and just say, as far as people or individuals within the field, we don't ever understand the the level of of maybe the seriousness of what they do for us until a COVID-19 comes through and and we have to understand how vital these individuals are um and so thank you on behalf of that and then also I mean I'm just simply not going to work a 3 a.m to 3 p.m shift so I mean thanks for doing that for me so I don't have to do that (laughs) yeah yes you are welcome and thanks for having me on I really appreciate it it's been really fun Absolutely. So, well, hey guys, uh, looking forward into the future, the next book that we are going to tackle is The Five Major Pieces of the Life Puzzle by Jim Rohn. A personal favorite of mine um, and a lot of of good stuff to look forward to, but we appreciate you taking a left and going on your phone, hitting Spotify and turning on State Street. So thank you guys for tuning in this week and until next time.